Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, we do thank you and we praise you for the opportunity that we have to gather uh, with your family here in this place. And Lord, we thank you that you are present here with us. You promise to come near to us. And Lord, you promise to come near to us with, with grace and mercy. Grace and mercy which assures us of our forgiveness and and uh, assures us of the love that you have promised to us. And uh, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we are not worthy. We are not worthy of any of the gifts that you give to us today, your word, the sacrament, even the song that you've uh, laid on our heart today, Lord, just to sing that to you, we are not worthy. But Lord, you have made us, you have made us your children. You have forgiven us of all of our sins. And Lord Jesus, because of that, and because, only because of that, because of your grace and mercy, are we able to, to be in your presence here today. So Lord, as we come to your word, I, I ask that you would give us ears that hear, and not just to hear, but Lord, I pray that this message would, would pass from our ears to our heart, and then from our heart into our lives, in the way that we live our lives. So Lord, may your spirit work. Do the good work which you promised to do in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is good to see each and every one of you here today at Maple Park Church. This is the day that the Lord has made. So we are a people who rejoice and a people who are glad in it. Today I'm going to start out with a story. Stories are powerful. Hopefully the story I tell today will, be, uh, will speak to your heart. It's interesting, I was listening to, uh, flipping through the radio with the kids, we were headed, I was taking them to school, and on the way to school, um, I heard this uh, radio preacher, so I just stopped for a little while, sometimes I like to stop and listen to, to hear what the heretics are saying from time to time, and uh, so I stopped and I was listening to, to this sermon, and he, he started with a story, and my kids were silent, and they listened to the story. Then when he started to give the sermon after the story, then they started talking to each other again. So I thought, man, stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. So today I bring to you a story, a story about Walt. And Walt was given every opportunity growing up as a child in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he, was, he was born into a good family. His dad worked as a foreman at the lumber mill. His mom stayed home to take care of Walt, his four brothers, and his baby sister. The whole family was involved in their church, committed to their church. Uh, Walt's dad served on the church council. He helped to organize special meetings for uh, evangelists to come in and to preach the gospel to their community, their church grew. His mom was active in women's missionary fellowship. Walt himself was president of the youth group. He helped to organize a group of teenagers that would go to uh, the gospel mission, and at the gospel mission they would serve, and they would sing, and then they would preach. Uh, Walt also had a mind for numbers. He enrolled in a state university. He became a very uh, successful accountant at a local firm. And throughout college and into his career, he, he remained active in his local church community. And uh, his involvement helped the church to grow and to reach more families. 
And many people in the community, they, they looked at Walt and they pointed at Walt as being a great example of faithfulness to the Lord and of what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But Walt's boss at the accounting firm, he was a respected leader, but as Walt got to know him more, he found out that his boss would cut corners. And he asked his employees to engage in questionable accounting practices. And one evening as Walt's shift was about to end, Walt's boss brought in a, a huge sum of cash. And his boss asked that Walt find a way to make the money appear to be earned through the firm's accounts. Walt didn't know where the money came from, but he, but he knew his boss uh, didn't want anyone to know where the money had come from. His boss wanted him to, to hide the money. So Walt's boss also instructed Walt to take a sizable portion of cash for himself. So hide the money, take some for yourself. Walt um, it immediately understood what his boss was doing. He was asking Walt to commit a crime called money laundering. Walt was being asked to make legally, illegally earned money appear legal. And Walt was smart. He knew how to do it. He knew how to commit this crime well. He knew that if he did it, if he pushed the books, he would never get caught. And Walt's boss was highly respected in the community. He was respected by the mayor, the chief of police. So Walt had no worries of getting caught for committing this crime. But before Walt knew it, Every week and every month, uh, he knew that he was pushing the books further and further, and he knew that if he, he pushed the books too far, that eventually they just fall off the edge. You can't hide money forever. And the cash that Walt was bringing home because of these so-called bonuses uh, from his boss were, were becoming larger than his paycheck. So Walt's personal financial stature was growing. But something else was growing within Walt's heart, a dark spot, a dark spot in his soul that, that tormented him on the inside. Walt knew that what he was doing was sin. He felt the reality that God saw and that God knew everything he was participating in. It wasn't just Walt's boss that knew he knew that God knows. God knows what he's doing. God knows about every dishonest transaction. God knows about this, this big pile of cash that he's accumulating at home. So the guilt of his actions grew and grew. Walt knew that he, he probably wouldn't get caught by the authorities. It wasn't getting caught by the law that terrified him. Walt was terrified by a righteous and a holy God who judges sin. Walt was terrified for his soul. Walt felt God's wrath over him. Walt knew that his soul was in peril. So this, this enormous sense of, of guilt and dread was building Walt knew what he had to do. 
After another late night in the office, he drove straight to his church. As an active member of the church council, he had a key. He opened the door. He went straight to the altar where he had knelt as a 13-year-old boy. He bowed his head, and the tears began to flow. And through deep sobs, he simply said, God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The next morning, Walt took the day off and went directly to the state police. He gave his confession. He gave every bit of paper, evidence needed to charge and successfully try those involved in this money laundering crime. When all was said and done, Walt helped the state to uncover a massive ring of organized crime. And Walt was one of many who went to prison. The first night as Walt lay in his cell, he felt something he hadn't felt for a long time. He felt peace with God peace with God, and he felt freedom. He had become a prisoner of the state because of the crimes that he'd committed, but he was released from the judgment of Almighty God. He felt freer than he had ever been before. In Luke 18, 9 through 14, we read a parable. It'll be on the board for you. You can open your Bibles to Luke 18. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus went on to say, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. Repentance. Repentance. Repentance is what Walt experienced in his life. Repentance is is the attitude of the heart demonstrated by the tax collector in our gospel lesson today. Repentance consists of two things. When we repent, two things happen. Number one, contrition. That is sorrow that comes from the heart. Sorrow over sin. So number one is contrition and number two is faith. Faith, believing the promise of Jesus Christ and his promise of forgiveness to us. So repentance is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing that has been given to you today. The gift of repentance. Coming to to that place where, where uh, where you believe that you are a sinner 
and then being granted faith from Jesus Christ to believe in the promise of the forgiveness of sins. Did you know that God is merciful and gracious? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So repentance consists of two things, contrition, which is the work of the Holy Spirit through the word in which we feel God's judgment over us. How many of you have been in that place before where you felt, I am a sinner, I am unworthy of everything that God uh, promises to me? You see, you see contrition is, is not just knowing up here that you're a sinner. It's knowing in your heart that you're a sinner and that you have no hope apart from the grace and the mercy of God. It is to say, if God isn't merciful to me, then I'm finished. That's contrition. You can know up here, but you need to know here in your heart that you need the grace and the mercy of God. And then faith is also the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of the gospel. And that is, faith is what grabs hold of God's grace. Yes, I am a sinner, but I have confidence in God's promise of forgiveness to me. Those who trust in their own righteousness, like the Pharisee in our gospel lesson, those who trust in their own righteousness and their own works, they won't repent. Those like the Pharisee in this morning's gospel lesson will not be granted repentance by the Holy Spirit. On the day of judgment, they won't be saved. Those who refuse to repent and believe are like those who would refuse to be rescued from a massive storm. Have you ever watched anything on TV about Coast Guard rescue swimmers? Unbelievable what they do. It's unbelievable the conditions that, that they jump into. Now imagine your ship is lost. You're in the water. The Coast Guard shows up. The rescue diver is in the water to save you. Will you, re will you reject what he is there to offer you? Are you going to say, no, I can, I can swim to shore on my own. No, I, I've got it out here. I'm okay. Would any of you do that? You see, sin is serious. This world's in serious trouble. And the major problem that we face in this life is a failure to believe that we're in peril. A failure to believe that Jesus has jumped into the water to rescue us. And many choose to try to rescue themselves. They trust in their own righteousness. So I hope you believe today that you need a Savior. I pray that you know that Jesus is the Savior who has jumped in to the water to rescue you and to save you. So don't reject Jesus. The scriptures tell us that we are to repent and to believe the good news. Jesus has jumped into the turbulent waters of this broken world to rescue you. So those who reject are like the Pharisee in our gospel lesson. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. Trusting in his own ability rather than in the mercy of God. He believed that he could save himself. And he looked down on other people. You know what the Bible says about the proud? What the Bible says about people like this Pharisee? In James 4, 6, we read that God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. But he gives grace, he gives grace to the humble. Do you look down on certain people? Do you look down on certain people within society that don't fit your idea of righteousness? You judge others? Watch out. Don't be like the Pharisee. In our gospel lesson today, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't look down on others. Did you know that the the ground at the cross is level? When we are brought to the foot of the cross, the ground is level. The divisions of class and supremacy vanish at the cross. The strata of societal and religious standings vanish at the cross. When you're brought to the cross, you're a sinner. Just like everybody else in this world, none of us are better than the other. So we are brought to the cross as sinners, and our only hope is the mercy of Jesus Christ. In our gospel lesson, Jesus once again absolutely reverses the people's thinking. He makes a despised tax collector. People in in Jesus' day and in Jesus' area, they hated tax collectors. They were traitors. And then they committed extortion. So Jesus reverses people's thinking. He takes a a despised tax collector and, and Jesus elevates the tax collector as an example of saving faith. And then he points to a Pharisee who everybody within society would have would have respected, and Jesus says, Don't be like that man. Don't be like this religious leader. Unbelievable. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, this man went down to his house justified, made right with God, saved, rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Have you humbled yourself before God Almighty? Have you humbled yourself at his feet, acknowledging your need for him and his forgiveness? Have you cried out to the Lord for mercy? Have you cried out to the Lord with a childlike faith? So first Jesus takes the tax collector 
and uses him as an example of what it means to have saving faith. And then next, Jesus takes a child, a child, and uses a child also as an example of what it means to have great faith. So, we go to the next part of our gospel lesson. Can we put it up on the board, Matt? Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them, and when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus was living in a culture in which they did not value children. They didn't value children the same way we do. So Jesus now takes a child. He says, let the little children come to me. Don't don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. So here's the point that we have today. Some might assume that a spiritually successful person has it all together. That person never messes up. That person is never in need of anything because that person has it all together. Look at how she's accomplished so much. But Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child should not enter it. A baby needs a lot of help to survive. If you've had children, you understand that children need help to survive. And children trust their parents Children trust their parents. We were hiking up in the mountains. We were actually hiking along the river. I had our our old dog with us. His name was Pete. And Pete didn't walk very well. And so as we were hiking around, the kids decided to go over this big log at the the river. And I decided to take the dog around the log because he would never make it over uh, that, that obstacle. And as I was a long ways from the kids, all of a sudden I heard this blood-curdling scream. It was Rebecca. Now, when I heard that scream, it was the kind of scream that, that scared me. It frightened me. And I heard the scream, and then I heard, Mama, Daddy. It was a freaky scream. And I, to be quite honest, I was really scared. And so I did the best I could to get there as quick as I could, and I said, what's going on? What happened? And then one of the other kids said she saw a slug. (laughs) The scream, and then the cry, the cry for mom, dad. She knew where her protection was. She knew in whom she trusted, even though it was just a slug. You see, the believer who's growing in faith has a childlike faith, a faith that trusts, a faith that's humble, trusting in in Jesus to survive every day. Like a little child who's trusting in mom or dad for food, safety, survival, protection. The believer has grabbed hold of Jesus and faith and lives daily trusting in him. 
not only for the forgiveness of sins, but every day throughout life. Did you know that, that you'll mess up? You'll mess up big time? You will. But who is your heavenly father? And what has he promised to you? Remember Walt, he messed up. Remember the tax collector, he messed up. Walt was forgiven. The tax collector was made right with God. But the Pharisee, the Pharisee, although everyone would have thought he was spiritually rich, was the poorest of all. He would not humble himself in repentance before God. He would not trust in God. Not the day of judgment, the Pharisee will be brought low. But Walt, the tax collector, they humbled themselves. And in the last day, they will be exalted to God's right hand. They will see Jesus face to face. They will experience grace and mercy for all eternity. This is the grace of the Lord. This is the promise of the Lord. Humble yourself before him today. Trust in him. Believe in him. Know that he will care for you today and for eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for these promises. We thank you for these truths. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us this humble faith that is, that is willing to, to come before you in repentance, knowing that we, that we need your grace and mercy, we need your forgiveness. And give us a childlike faith that trusts in you, that believes in you every day for all that we need. Remind us, Lord Jesus, that if we have you, we have all that we need. So give this to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.